Our Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 11, reading verses 2 to 11. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus, sorry, when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Let's just pray together. Lord, we ask that you who spoke these words years, years ago about John would be present with us this evening to speak to our own hearts and minds. Speak that we may understand who you are, what you came to do and what you will yet do, that we may lead lives of expectant waiting and hope, for we ask it in your precious name. Amen. Please do be seated. Advent is a time of waiting. It's a time of waiting when we look back and try and stand in the sandals, as it were, of those in the first century, or rather perhaps a little before the first century, who had waited for the coming of the promised Messiah. God had sent his last prophet, Malachi, 400 years previously, And for all those 400 years, God had been silent. And God's people 
the Jewish people had begun to wonder when the Messiah would ever come. They felt, as it were, almost abandoned. They were oppressed by a foreign power. They felt themselves to be in captivity. They had waited so long. When would the Saviour come? We look forward. We are waiting for Jesus to return, to fulfil the promise of his second coming. We've waited for 2,000 years. We have waited so long. When will he ever come to put this world to rights, to save it from confusion and despair? I want to start by focusing on the reading we had from Matthew's Gospel. John marked the beginning of that great time when God was beginning to move again, if I can put it like that. John was the last of the prophets, says Jesus. After 400 years of silence, John came bringing God's word, but he was greater than any prophet who had gone before because he was announcing that the Saviour was now coming. He was preparing the way for the Lord Jesus. His whole life was devoted to preparing the way for the Christ. His preaching called people to wake up to the fact that the kingdom was at hand. It was right round the corner, as it were. And they must get themselves ready. They must be baptised and repent. They must be washed and cleansed from their sin so that they are ready to meet the living God who is coming to meet with them. And John had seen Jesus walking on the riverbank as he uh, was baptising people and he had pointed out Jesus to some of his own disciples saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's come, he's here. John had said, I must decrease, he must increase and encouraged his disciples to follow Jesus rather than to follow him. The expected Messiah has arrived and John expected him to be filled with the fire of the Spirit. His winnowing fork is in his hand, he said. He will clear the threshing floor, gathering wheat into a barn and burning the chaff with unquenchable fire. John believed that Jesus had come to put the world to rights, to judge those who are doing evil and to bring blessing to his people. But John is now in prison. Imprisoned by Herod. And he doesn't know what will happen to him. Imagine waiting in prison and wondering what on earth is going to happen. The empty days of waiting. And as he waits, 
he begins to wonder, did I get it right? Is this really the one who is to come? And so a few of his disciples who are still visiting him are sent by him to ask Jesus this very question, are you the one who is to come? Or are we going to have to look for someone else? Why am I still in prison, John's saying, really? Why is it that evil still has the upper hand? Waiting can be painful and dispiriting. And John needs an answer to his question. Waiting can be dispiriting and discouraging and depressing for us at times. I was thinking back as I was preparing this to my own experience of being summoned in suddenly to hospital five years ago, being told I I needed medical attention urgently and then sitting for six weeks in the newly opened Southmead Hospital with all its problems and faults, waiting, waiting for them to decide what they were going to do with me. And then after I'd had my initial operation, replacing a heart valve, I was then in uh, the BRI, or in the Heart Institute, and again I was waiting, waiting for another six weeks, because... Um, I desperately needed a pacemaker, but they couldn't operate again because I had infection. And as I waited for those second six weeks, on a couple of occasions, my heart stopped beating. And you think, is this ever going to happen? Am I going to make it? Waiting can be very, very difficult and frustrating. And not just for the person waiting, but for the family as well. Oh dear, yes. And I'm sure you've had experiences, difficult experiences of waiting. But you see, Jesus defies expectations in the way in which he fulfills the promises of God. It's not that he fails to fulfill them, but he fulfills God's promises in ways that defy expectations. When God came to rescue his people, he came in the form of a baby, born in a stable in Bethlehem. Think of Monty Python. I wasn't expecting that. Nobody seemed to expect that that is the way that God would come. The wise men went looking for him in Herod's palace. That's where they expected he'd be born. And when Jesus, at the end of his earthly ministry, saved his people through giving himself to a cruel death upon the cross. People were not expecting that. Not even his disciples, whom he told about it time and time again. 
Do you remember those two people on the road to Emmaus who told the risen Christ, ironically, we had hoped, hoped that this was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Jesus defies expectations. His death, which seemed a defeat and a disaster, was precisely the way in which he saved his people from their sins. And we shall be remembering that shortly, commemorating that. In the years after Jesus' ascension, when the New Testament was being written, there were many who expected that Jesus would return in their lifetime. Do you remember when Peter was walking along the beach with the Lord Jesus after Jesus had challenged him three times, do you love me? He looked round and he saw John following and he said, what's going to happen to him, Lord? He was trying to divert attention from himself. What's going to happen to him? And Jesus said of John, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? And then a rumour started in the early church. John, you know, he's going to be like Simeon. He won't see death until the Lord's come. Or then again, there were people at Thessalonica who'd come to believe in the Lord Jesus and some of their believing relatives had died. And they, they asked Paul, they say, have they missed out on the resurrection? Because they've died and Jesus hasn't come. And in Peter's second letter, he speaks about those who were mocking Christians. They were throwing the things they believed back in their face. Where is this promise of his coming? They were saying. Waiting is difficult. I love the old authorised version of uh, Proverbs 13 and verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And don't we know it? When the thing we hope for doesn't happen and we have to wait, it makes us feel sick inwardly. Given that we've waited so long, so much longer than those people in the New Testament days, have we begun to lose hope? Have we begun to think, well, maybe we got it wrong? Maybe our creeds got it wrong? Do we really expect Jesus to return? How long do we have to wait? We cry out, as it were, with John the Baptist in prison. How long, Lord, before you do something? Or with the martyred saints before God's throne. How long, O oh Lord? How long? But in response to those who were mocking Christians in Peter's day, Peter says that the waiting is not empty waiting. It's not purposeless. Peter says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, 
not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Waiting, this time of waiting, is to be fruitful waiting. And that's what James was talking about. We read together. James says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. We are to wait patiently and to wait fruitfully. The farmer waits for the land that he has sown and planted to bear its crop. He can't afford to be impatient. He can't afford the week after he's gone and sown seed to go and try and reap the harvest. He won't get anything. That time of waiting is not empty waiting, it's fruitful waiting as the harvest develops and eventually becomes mature. In her wonderful little Advent book, which I read a couple of years ago, The Meaning is in the Waiting, Paula Gooder writes this, It was only when I was pregnant with my first child that I realised I had completely misunderstood what waiting was about. No one expecting a child wants the waiting to end and the baby to come early. That can only spell heartache. It was during this period of enforced waiting that I began to discover that waiting is not just about passing the time between the moment when expectation is raised and when it comes to completion, but that it has deep and lasting value in and of itself. I discovered that waiting can be a nurturing time, valuable in its own right. As we wait for and look for and long for the Lord's coming, we are to understand that this time is not empty time. It's a time of nurturing. It's a time of fruitfulness. Peter urges his readers and hearers not only to look forward to the day of God, to the return of Christ, but to speed its coming. Well, how do you speed the coming of Christ? How do we speed up Christ's coming? Well, Peter has said that God is patient because he wants people to come to repentance, not, not face judgment at Christ's coming, but to face Christ's coming with joyful expectation because they've come to trust in him. We speed Christ's coming by telling others of Christ in whom we hope, in whom we trust, that they too might come to trust in him and join us in waiting for Christ's coming.
We are those who are helping to nurture that harvest which will be gathered in at Christ's return and with which the Saviour himself will be fully satisfied. Our role now is like that of John the Baptist. We are preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. We need to prepare ourselves. Peter says, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. But we are to prepare also the world for the coming of the Saviour by telling them the good news that the Saviour died for them, is risen for them and will come for them. So in conclusion, as we've looked at these passages this evening, Advent reminds us that our waiting is to be active waiting, not passive waiting. We are to believe, believe in the promises of God, not lose hope. We are to trust in Christ and look for and long for the day of his coming, for the day when he will transform all things and make them new, when evil Sin and death will be no more and the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And we are to pray for Christ's coming. Come, Lord Jesus. We are to pray for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to be a praying people not just in this ecclesiastical season of Advent, but in this era of Advent between Christ's return to glory and our longing and his return. We are to be prepared for the day of Christ's coming, always to be doing things about which we need not be ashamed if Christ appears. That's a great challenge, isn't it? With our children and grandchildren, sometimes you catch them out doing something they shouldn't be doing. We don't want that for ourselves in the day of Christ's appearing. And we are to prepare others to tell them of the Saviour in whom we hope. Draw them to Christ and so hasten his coming. And in this way, our waiting will not be disappointing and distressing, but will be joyful, hopeful and fruitful. May God enable us to wait like that for his name's sake. Amen.